I think because we did start uh, so early on, you know, with Newport, it kind of has carried over. That spirit has kind of carried over to like all of our tours. The first time we were there playing our first set, we got to sing with Mavis Staples and we returned to sing with Jeff Tweedy the following year. Mm -hmm. I can't remember if it was the first or second year, but singing Peace, Love and Understanding with Shovels and Rope and in the Jane Pickens doing with Shaky Graves, rehearsing in the alleyway there, um, Mm -hmm. doing Can't Help Falling in Love. And, you know, we ended up going on to sing that song almost every night because we loved singing it with him so much. Every time we've been to Newport, something happens unexpectedly. And I think some of the most precious musical moments of our careers have happened there because of it. That's Holly Lasick and Jess Wolf of Lucius. Since their debut at Newport Folk in 2014, they've become synonymous with the collaborative spirit of Newport and an integral part of the folk family. There are a few other bands that have popped up more frequently on the stages of Fort Adams and after hours at annual late night jam sessions and shows, adding their incredible harmonies and twin costumes to whatever magic was in progress. Likewise, they've had a major role to play in a few of the most memorable and historic collaborative sets, which we'll hear about today. I'm Carmel Holt. You simply can't talk about collaborations at Newport without Lucius. And you can't talk about Newport without talking about collaborations. So today, we'll hear from the Folk family about some of the most magical moments that have happened over the years at Newport. And we'll learn about how and why its dedication to a communal environment has created an atmosphere where artists and fans alike arrive each year with open minds and open ears. Welcome to Episode 3 of Festival Circuit Newport Folk. Expect the Unexpected. As Jess and Holly just shared, the spirit of collaboration at Newport extends far beyond each year's festival. Martin Anderson, founder, manager, and creative director for The Glow Management based in Raleigh, North Carolina, has worked with artists performing at Newport since 2010 and has witnessed firsthand the effect that it has on them and on their careers. I think that being a part of Newport provides artists with so many different opportunities. The audience that's there are the most diehard music fans that I think are out there. And what they're doing is they are showing up there to discover, to be challenged. And these are the people that are going to go out and tell everybody about what they saw this weekend and especially what their unexpected discovery was. And then also I think that it is this place to meet other artists in a really genuine way. Newport really cultivates hanging out. You know, being there for the whole weekend, going on days that aren't your day because you'll probably get called up to play with so-and-so or sing a song with a hero of yours. And so it quickly becomes this space where artists are actually having real conversations, which I think is so important. So I think that there's this kind of camaraderie that comes with that. The type of things that are created there are just really, you know, deep personal connections. It's a place where you can like start a band and meet a new best friend and also meet an artist that you've loved your whole life. And I don't think that happens many places in the world. Martin is absolutely right that this is a rare and cherished part of the Newport experience. And we're going to hear a lot more today from artists who have created and witnessed once-in-a-lifetime moments from the stage. And as he pointed out, it's the feeling of community that Newport fosters backstage that is at the root of the unique and meaningful musical collaborations on stage. To help describe that scene, here's photographer Danny Clinch. I just remember showing up there and the vibe being just so relaxed and chill and all of my friends were there, all the people and musicians that I love and I just kept bumping into people in the industry and we all came to the same conclusion that this is the most relaxed and enjoyable festival that you know you could get to and the whole idea that you hop on a, a little ferry and cruise across that bay is part of the experience. It's part of the joy and the beauty of it. There's no festival that I can think of where all the artists hang out together. They're all just kind of in the same place behind the main stage. You know, whether you're playing a smaller stage or whether you're playing the main stage, for the most part, 
any artist that's playing there is welcome to hang out in this kind of common area behind the main stage. And right next to the fort, these big walls there. It's such a great vibe and I remember I was hanging out with Trey Anastasio in his little trailer there. And we were looking out the window and we were catching up a little bit. He and I go way back. And I, I looked outside and I saw Jason Isbell. And I thought, you know, these two guys would really like each other. I wonder if they had ever met. I said, Trey, do you know Jason? And he was like, no, I love his music. And I said, man, he's the, he's the greatest. Like, let's just roll out and say hello. And we did. And uh, I introduced him and then I just walked away because they were getting in. I mean, I was listening a little bit and of course taking some photos, but it's like, it's that kind of atmosphere. Dreams on a summer night in a folding lawn chair Witches ring around the moon, better get home soon And as Danny Clinch gave us that mental image of the meeting of the brilliant musical minds of Trey and Jason Isbell chatting backstage, his Asbury Park pal, Nicole Atkins, brings us to another Worlds Collide moment on stage with two other virtuosos at the 2018 festival that would cement her love of Newport folk. It's a mix of that John Cusack, Demi Moore movie, One Crazy Summer, where she's a singer and they have like the regatta, beautiful boats and it's opulent. Mix that with late night pepperoni pizzas and just all of your favorite bands and friends in one place in the sunshine. It's that. There's been moments that have happened in Newport that when I was growing up and would watch like the Monterey Pop Festival documentary or the Woodstock Festival documentary, I would get really sad because I'd think I'm never going to see anything that moves me like these people got to see. And then I was watching John Batiste and Chris Thiele, the mandolin player, do this back and forth improv, so piano and mandolin, and it was just so intense that I was like hanging on every note, watching, like, oh my God, who would have thought I had my moment there seeing that. Speaking of unpredictably exciting pairings, for NPR's All Songs Considered and Tiny Desk host Bob Boylan, it was an unexpected and seemingly unlikely collaboration between songwriters that he first came to love in the early 70s that not only brought about one of his favorite moments at Newport, but also gave him a fresh perspective on what these two legends had in common. We would set up recording booths and have a central point where we would host and broadcast to uh, both radio and and over uh, on the web. It was quite a thrill. So we we would sit behind a little table under a tent and tell everybody, and now here's my morning jacket. And then as soon as I was over, we'd take off our headphones and run around and go see as many bands as we can and come back to the uh, station and uh, announce the next band on the big stage. Seeing bands in the daytime is kind of a little weird, I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, but getting over that and enjoying that was nice. But the main thing that is the beauty of Newport is the camaraderie that happens between musicians backstage, which, you know, most people don't get to see. But what you do get to see is what then happens with that friendships that form behind stage when they come onto the stage. And so you get these absolutely out of this world collaborations over the course of a weekend. One of my earliest favorite ones, still one of my favorite moments in music, and I'd have to say really, was seeing John Prine with Roger Waters. So here you have this guy who I knew from Pink Floyd, and the last time I had seen Pink Floyd was a, a year before Dark Side of the Moon came out, and they were at the Kennedy Center, and it was a psychedelic experience with quadraphonic sound and smoke bombs and fire and all sorts of crazy, wonderful stuff. And if your head explodes with the and at the same time, because I worked in record stores back then, John Prine was in the folk bin, far away from the rock bin, 
in the record store. And I never really thought of these two people in any way soulfully connected. When I heard Roger Waters was going to play with John Prine, I was like, I don't get that. But when they got on stage and sang that song, you know, old trees just go stronger and old rivers grow wilder every day. Old people just grow lonesome and waiting for someone to say hello in there. So that great John Prine song, hello, I just got chills. And seeing them sing that together and then thinking about Roger Waters and him singing songs about two lost souls swimming in a fishbowl year after year and having the same old fears and all that stuff in in the song I wish you were here songs that really are often about age aging um, the human spirit there's something that is connected despite the grandeur of Pink Floyd and the twisted nature of their music at the heart and their poetry and the way they look at the world there there was great similarities and and so yeah, that was out of this world you know your old trees just grow stronger old rivers grow wilder every day old people just get lonesome Someone to say hello in there. Hello. The two voices you just heard singing alongside John Prine and Roger Waters, Holly Lasick and Jess Wolf of Lucius. We were out on tour with Roger Waters and we had told him we have this weekend off of tour and John is playing Newport and he was like well we're gonna fly in then so the three of us actually flew from Wisconsin and got to Newport got literally within a couple hours we're singing on stage with John That 2017 John Prine and Friends set continues to be one of the most talked about performances in the history of Newport Folk Festival. And we'll hear more about it later in this episode. But as the threads that tie so many of these Newport stories together have a way of doing, the very fact that Holly and Jess were even on tour with Roger Waters has its origins in another legendary set at Newport Folk two years earlier. Well, we got a phone call from Jay, right? And what what did he say exactly? He said, so a crazy thing's happening at Newport. I'm putting together a set with Roger Waters and my morning jacket. Here's Jim James. He like wanted to do Newport and you know we were going to be there too. And we're like, oh, well, you know, we can be your backing band. And, you know, so getting to rehearse with him and getting to uh, spend time with him and just like, you know, you're, you're sitting next to truly a, a giant you know it's like sitting next to van gogh or something you know like somebody whose art you love so much it's wild they're sitting two feet away from you you know and and uh and and for all he's been through and all that he's done i think he's a really great leader because he he really knows how to lead and be nice but not too nice you know he's definitely like super serious like super ready to get get everything uh figured out but he's also really kind and and doesn't throw his ego around, which I I really appreciate. Roger asked for some singers, like, find me my girls. And Jay said, I've got your girls. (laughs) And immediately we were like, obviously, we're never going to turn this down. And originally we were were only supposed to sing two songs or something. Yeah. You know, Jim had sent us the songs we're supposed to learn. And we wrote Roger and just said, you know, we're just so honored to be a part of this. And thank you so much. And if there's anything else you want us to learn, just just in case, give us a heads up. We'd be happy to learn it. But uh, no worries either way. And looking forward to meeting you. Yeah. And he responded with cool R. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. (laughs) Yeah, we ended up practicing some of the songs that Jim had told us and more just in case. But I, I don't even remember how many we had practiced. Not all of them, but like a couple more. Yeah. I mean, we we looked at the set list and heard some major background vocals and we're like, might as well just familiarize ourselves more with yeah. them other than just, you know, 
the obvious. Yeah, we had a big rehearsal with my morning jacket and him in what's that building? It's like the boys school, you know, the private school. Yeah. And so we had set up with my morning jacket and we were testing everything. And all of a sudden, Roger walks in through the door and he just has such this presence. He was just seems taller and and like bolder, you know, than you like a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, all right, let's, you know, let's get into it. We started, I can't remember what song we started with, but we started with one of the ones that Jim had said, and then we continued on and he kind of was like, okay, nodding with approval a bit. And so we're like, okay, he likes it. Great. And then we sit down because the next song was not one we were to be on. And he starts playing through the first verse. And about halfway through the first verse, he stops and he looks over at us and he yells across the room, man up (laughs) and we were like first of all in disbelief (laughs) that we were getting yelled at by roger waters second of all startled like uh oh and jim chimes in you know oh they're not on this song and roger goes they're on every song (laughs) so we had some cramming for finals that night you know we stayed up and just went through everything and had to know the whole set and we did it and it's amazing like we got out on that stage i remember during mother i think it was mother do you think she's good enough the rain started pouring down and then for eclipse the clouds parted and there was a huge rainbow over the water there's photos of me actually like touching my back like I was like pinching myself I really couldn't believe that this moment was happening the rainbow was there the prism people were just like sobbing you know it was just such a momentous beautiful life-changing moment and everything under the sun is and then he was recording a record with Nigel Godrich and he asked us to be a part of it. And then from there it was just, you know, well, then you should come on tour with me. The main takeaway, though, was like he really, you know, admires us and treats us like his peers. And um, I, I don't think we could have done as much with him and taken time away from Lucius if he didn't really like let us shine and do our thing in his show. And he really, you know, respected us enough and appreciated us enough to allow us to put our mark on things. For Danny Clinch, that performance and being there to document it holds a hugely special place in his heart. And it's a beautifully profound reminder of the intergenerational respect, love and togetherness that happens every year at Newport. All these artists love and respect each other. And then there's the one generation of artists with the younger generation of artists. I think this might have been my second time coming to Newport, but the year that My Morning Jacket sat in with Roger Waters, they had a little off-site spot where they were rehearsing. And I got to go photograph the rehearsal and listen. Lucius, Roger Waters, My Morning Jacket. Just incredible. Also, a moment side stage that I had with Mavis Staples, Maggie Rogers, Brandi Carlisle, and Phoebe Bridgers. They were about to hit the stage, and Mavis rolled up and was like, now listen, girls, this is how we're doing it, and I want to give this energy, and we want to push this out there, and like, you know, and and I I just, the looks on their faces just kind of say it all. Maggie was tearing up. Everybody was like just hanging on every word of Mavis. That was wonderful. Uh, a wonderful, wonderful moment. I picked up my bag and went looking for a place to hide. When I saw old Carmen and the devil walking side by side. And talk about intergenerational respect and love. As both Phil Cook and Brittany Howard talked about in episode two, Mavis Staples continues to be one of the strongest and most powerful presences at Newport Folk nearly 60 years on since she first came there with the Staples Singers. Phil called Mavis the true matriarch of Newport, and she's given so many artists their most treasured memories, from simply being uplifted by her presence, to watching her perform, to singing with her. Just as she did for Brandi Carlisle, Maggie Rogers, and Phoebe Bridgers, Mavis gave Amethyst Kia and Allison Russell an un 
unforgettable experience of their own when they performed at Newport with Our Native Daughters in 2019. Newport, I mean, it's a legendary folk festival where all different kinds of people have come through, like Vera Hall. There's so many different people that have played. To be able to be part of that and then for us to be able to perform Eyes on the Prize with Mavis Staples and Hozier, I mean, that was that was just incredible. Yeah. And it was just so fitting, the the stronger together theme that year. I mean, that has been so true for the four of us. And I'm right with you. I second everything Amethyst said. It was just incredible. And I will never forget Mavis Staples hugging and kissing our babies backstage. And my favorite memory, I think, in some ways was that impromptu rehearsal. And Hozier gave up his private trailer to, you know, invited us in with our dear friend, Phil Cook, and the four of us, and Mavis. And we got to just stand in a circle around her, that beam of just love and light and freedom ringing in the world and sing with her in that tiny little trailer. And I will never, never forget it. I was just trying like to keep it together and not fall to the floor, dead with joy. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. And for Jess and Holly of Lucius, it was their connection with another familiar face at Newport, Wilco's Jeff Tweedy, that brought them together with Mavis their very first year at the festival. We played and Mavis came and sang Go Home With Us and we nearly fell off our, we weren't in chairs, but if we were in chairs, we would have fallen off of them. (laughs) It was a big deal. It was a very big deal. And she sang our song. We met through Jeff, right? Yeah, I think it was through Jeff. We also sang with Jeff and Mavis. We knew she was going to be there and we asked her if she would join us. And it was just love at first sight. I mean, obviously we were huge Mavis fans before. Let's, you know, keep it real. But um, <laughs> but it was love at first meeting. That's for sure. And speaking of incredible first-time experiences at Newport, Yola took part in and witnessed Newport folk herstory in 2019. After blowing everyone away who were lucky enough to see her during her own set, Yola performed as part of the hugely anticipated live debut of the supergroup, The High Women, featuring Brandi Carlisle, Maren Morris, Natalie Hemby, and Amanda Shires, and then took part in the first ever all-female headlining set at Newport, curated by Brandi Carlisle, and what came to be known as the Dolly moment. I had my headline performance relatively early on, so my own kind of, you know, set. We packed out the tent and I was like, I wasn't quite sure who was going to turn up, especially how kind of like early in the program we were. But we packed it out and then I was like, okay, great. And then outside the tent started getting full and then soon people could barely walk past. And then after that, no one could walk past. And it was just like out the back, out the side, down the road. (laughs) I just ended up feeling as though that I'd really landed. That was my experience. I was uh, called on myriad times <laughs> to be part of sets. Oh, hey, do you want to come and sing this song? So they sang with Doors and Brandy was curating a stage on the day that I was performing. So uh, I did obviously the first High Women performance as well. And everyone seemed to be kind of crowded around and curious to see what it was all going to be like. The level of boss energy that was on that stage was so apparent. We're the high women, sing a story still untold. We carry the sons you can only hold. That one collaboration at the end with all the women, it was uh, it was just mind-blowing. The Indigo Girls, Amy Ray. I mean, Brandy put it together, Carlisle put it together, and it was just so amazing. And everyone that was there, it was just the set of just like endless things. And I was very nervous to even be part of it. I mean, when Dolly Parton arrived, it was like Moses Parton the waters, you know? Everybody had to 
freeze in their position and all the security people were there and the dogs and you just had to stay where you were. And then, of course, Dolly, once she gets on stage, it's like she's so friendly and so accessible that you don't realize there's security everywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Probably one of the most memorable moments stood side stage when uh, Dolly and Brandy were singing uh, I Will Always Love You and everyone bawling their eyes out, myself included. It was so emotional. <laughs> and so, uh, like, I don't think I'll ever forget that. Dolly was the big surprise guest, and uh, she and I hugged and kissed, and really, I love her. It's a love fest. Judy Collins. I was very interested to meet and sing with Brandy Carlisle. I had sung with her on a big fundraiser in California a couple of years before that, but I didn't get to spend any time with her. But as I was going through Brandy's history and her story, it was sort of like reading my own um, biography. The thing that I see is how hard this is how hard we have to work. I mean, this is one determined woman with huge talent and enormous skill. Her songwriting is quite wonderful. But mostly I'm impressed with a lot of people are talented. Many people are talented. But many people don't have the grit or the guts to really go through this. And I admire that as much as anything. Featuring all these women on the show with her, it was just great. This is Festival Circuit, Newport Folk. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Festival Circuit, Newport Folk. I'm Carmel Holt. So we've been talking about all of the amazing collaborations that happened during the day at Fort Adams and the communal vibe backstage. But once the sun sets and the gates close for the day, the collaborative magic has only just begun. Seasoned Newport folk goers will tell you some of the best is yet to come once you leave Fort Adams for the day and head back across the water into downtown Newport. Musicians and fans gather for late night shows at venues like the historic Jane Pickens Theater, where Phil and Brad Cook have curated what has become a must-see evening of music since 2017. In fact, that yearly all-star jam started as a literal, though unintentional, continuation of a one-of-a-kind collaboration performance that happened during the day at the fort. Here's his Golden Messenger's MC Taylor. We did this Bill Withers tribute band called Grandma's Hands that it was me and Darren Jesse, Mike Liebermento and Phil Cook and Justin Vernon that was like that's the only time that band has ever played and nobody knew what it was going to be and it should not have been as good as it was. <laughs> it's It was driven by like the magic of that space. It really was. I think that it could have fallen flat in another location, but there was something about that space and the energy coming from the people there that lifted it up into a thing that could only exist in that moment. Grandma's hands sold the local and with mother. Grandma's hands used to wait sometimes and swell. And then that Grandma's hand set led into a, a His Golden Messenger set with sort of all the heads that were around just sort of came and sat in and sang on stuff later mm -hmm. that night at the Pickens. Phil and Brad Cook. You know, I think we sort of fell into it, to be honest with you, because someone had canceled. Jay hit me up and just said, yo, can you fill this? Do you think we can put something together? And we had a pretty rad crew of people with us playing music. Justin was in town with us, with Justin Vernon and... 
you know, Linda Segarra came and Patterson Hood and Jim James. I recall Brad was like actually behind the scenes that year and like standing side stage and making sure that everything was running smoothly and communicating with me off stage, which was kind of uh, also, I think, indicative of how Brad produces things and can be behind the scenes without having to be in a spotlight and have a very powerful presence. All these like incredible people came down and we, Brad and I were like, I mean, I'm sure people were watching the set and be like, how do the Cook brothers know all? It's like, wow, we were just in the spot and yeah. Brad was fielding. It was, he was fielding all these people coming in. And so, although we can't take credit for all these things happening, I think it was a big deal yeah. for both of us that, that we had so much fun. And at the end of the night, we were just both so spent and exhausted, but like, it was so good. Every night, the energy swells in different locations for different reasons. And I think we just had enough. We had John Prine had, had confirmed to come and sing and Mumford and & Sons and mm-hmm. a couple other people. But then it's just John Prine brought Brandy Carlisle and Amanda Shires and Margot Price. And then they all sort of fell into a set. And then Courtney Barnett was there. I sleep in late another day. Oh, what a wonder. Oh, what a waste. I remember distinctly this moment of being in the stairwell of the Pickens. Newport Executive Director, Jay Sweet. And I remember Margot Price trying to, I'm pretty sure it was um, Willin, the song Willin. And if you give me Trying to get the where she wanted to be on the harmony of it and working it and working it and working it. And then the next year, Margot came back and she was now Margot Price, deservedly so. That year was the year that Courtney Barnett first came to Newport and I dragged her. I mean, I think I physically dragged her to this. And she's like, I don't know any songs and I'm a punk thing. I'm, I'm not supposed to be here. And I was like, you got to sing a song. I said, I saw a personal video of yours singing Gillian Welch's Everything is Free. And she's like, yeah, but I can never remember the third verse. Long story. I was like, well, why don't you go up these stairs? And Margo, I was sitting with Margo. And Margo was like, yeah, go up there. The sound is great. Sing it. As soon as you're ready, I'm just going to walk you right on the stage and interrupt whoever is singing. And you're going to just go out there and do it. So I ran downstairs and I had this incredible production person named Jen Ryber print out in the biggest block letters, the third verse of Gillian Welch's Everything is Free. I had her tape it right below the mic stand. And Margo and I were there and we were listening to her try to remember the words to Everything is Free and fucking it up like time after time after time. And she came down and she's like, I can't do it. I'm going to do this other, I'm going to do my own song, like depressed or something. I'm just going to do one of my own songs. And I was like, that's fine. That's totally great. Thank you for trying. And I remember taking this picture of, it's the worst selfie, worst angles, black and white selfie of myself, Margot Price and Courtney Barnett, who were two women musically who probably couldn't be so far apart. But if you were to ask me, they are made of the same DNA of badassery. And I remember basically being an arm in arm with Margot as we watched Courtney go out to quote, sing her own song and then getting out to the mic stand and looking straight down and turning around and saying, fuck you. And then just to Margo and I, and just Margo and I just cracking up and nobody was like, what the hell's going on? Nobody got it. And she's like, uh, well, I guess I have no choice but to sing this song. And then I think under her breath, she said something like, and fuck J-Sweet. Every day I wake up, I'm in a song, but I don't need to run around, I just stay. Once again, Phil and Brad Cook. It was just sort of like, it just sort of, it was a groundswell of just people playing. And what was cool was that like everyone just sort of went out and played something they knew or loved. And sometimes they used the band, sometimes they didn't. But I think it was just like the the feel of it all. If I would have been in that audience, that would have been a pretty wild night to witness, you know? Just because it is a lot of like really, I mean, just John Prine alone doing five songs. I mean, John Prine's son and head of Oh Boy Records, 
Jody Whelan. He liked playing festivals, but sometimes he just thought it was something where he kind of wanted to get in and out of as fast as he could. Whereas in Newport, like he was a lot more likely to, to stick around and see someone set. And, you know, he did a mini set at the Jane Pickens Theater. And I think, you know, he got a big kick out of that. If he had something gone in the day, he probably wouldn't normally do like a second show. But I think, what, yeah, with Newport, it just feels so much closer to the reason why people want to write songs and the reason why people want to pick up an instrument. As we mentioned earlier, in 2017, John Prine headlined the final night at Newport for a now legendary set that brought together a ton of special guests, many of whom were younger artists influenced by John's work. Now, when we talk about the intergenerational love, respect and musical exchanges that happen at Newport, it's important to understand that the inspiring effect that these connections can have Go both ways. Just as we heard Judy Collins talk about finding inspiration in Brandy Carlisle, John Prine got a lot from performing and connecting with a new generation of musicians. Here's Jody. And he thought it was so cool that like all these young people knew his songs and were excited to sing with him. That definitely energized him. And I think it allowed us to try and do other more creative things afterwards, too. John Prine set. I don't think there was any musician at the festival that wasn't on stage. Phil and Brad Cook. There were so many people around the whole back of the stage and up top and everyone was sitting down, like sitting cross-legged. Every single ego that could possibly have been present vanished. Everyone was standing in complete humble awe of this human being and this message that he was singing over and over. And I remember watching Patrick from My Morning Jacket. He was across from me And it was so palpable on his face that he had grown up with every one of these songs and that those songs were a tie to his dad and like his kids. Like that was a lineage playing out in front of him and tears streaming down his cheeks. You know, that was, I don't know, Patrick, but it was just, I saw the whole story on his face. I saw it right there because I was going through the same thing. And that felt like the closest that everybody could possibly get at that festival was all of us just watching that unfold. Yeah, that was pretty special. Special. Here's Margot Price. That was such a special moment. And, you know, I think John's worldwide acclaim has been a long time coming. And he should have been revered as one of the greatest songwriters of all time long before people finally kind of gave him his due. I was just, you know, really happy to be a part of the set. And I've sang a lot of different songs with John. When he asked me to do In Spite of Ourselves there at that show, I was just, I was so honored that he wanted me to sing that song with him because that's the song, you know, that's like, that's the one that, um, that hooked me as a John Prine fan. She thinks, oh, my jokes are corny. Convict movies maker. He loved Margot and being around her. They were good buddies, and with Jeremy too, her husband. And they'd sang together a lot. And uh, John just like hanging out with them. They were just fun. And, and then the musically too, like he he loved her voice and her songwriting. He's got more balls than a big brass monkey. He's a whack not a weirdo and a love bug. Sly has a fox, crazy as a loon. Payday comes and he's howling at the moon. He's my baby. And so, you know, just that whole set to see the smile on his face, it was a beautiful thing. And we went out for dinner, me, him, Fiona, and my husband, Jeremy, and Brandy, and had a lot of champagne, had a lot of oysters, really celebrated. And yeah, I'm glad that that he got to have that and because he was, you know, deserved that and so much more. Here's Jim James. That John Prine set was one of uh, the most beautiful moments of my life. Watching from the side of the stage as the sun set, watching him play, watching everybody play, you know, all all of us that he invited to sing with him. I mean, talk about pure spirit, talk about pure soul. Uh, His energy was what it's all about. You know, like he, he did it in the most pure way that I think speaks to 
the heart of Newport Folk. You know, to me, someone like him is the heart of Newport Folk and what it's all about. Completely egoless, you know, just with this way where he's like one of us, you know, he never holds his stature above you. A great leader leads from within, you know, a great leader leads as one of the people, you know, that set was just, just unbelievable. It's a doggone shame. It's an awful mess. I wish you luck. I wish you happiness. I wish you love. I wish you happiness. I guess I, I wish, wish you all the best. Good luck. Pernina Westerbelt, who's seen many highlights unfold during her time as a Newport staff photographer, it was a reunion on stage from that same year in 2017 that will forever stand out. There's nowhere else that you get like surprise sets where you don't know who's going to walk on stage where, you know, everyone gets up and sings along. My top Newport memory was this year that Billy Bragg was playing as well as Wilco. And Wilco is one of my absolute favorite bands. And California Stars is one of my favorite songs in the world. And I was like, Billy's here. Jeff's here. That song's going to happen. Jay, everyone kept telling me, Nina, don't get your hopes up. I, you know, I stayed in that pit. I was waiting for it to happen. I knew it was going to happen. It wasn't happening. So when you're looking at the fourth stage, you can go up on the like side bars and look down over the stage. And I was like, well, I might as well go up and get that picture, you know, from the aerial that everyone loves. And I'm standing up there. I'm like out of breath. I'm so tired. It's the end of the day. And I look out of the corner of my eye and I see Billy Bragg walking towards the stage. I ran faster than I have ever run in my whole life. And I'm like crying and sweating. And I was just like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it was going to happen. And I got down there. I mean, I have goosebumps just thinking about it. I was so into that moment. I feel like I almost forgot to take the picture. Like I just wanted to soak it up. It was something I've been a Wilco fan since the 90s. Like I've waited so long for this moment. It felt incredible. And I did get wonderful pictures from it as well. Uh, but that was probably my best Newport moment. It was phenomenal. I like to And of all the historic collaborations that have taken place at Newport over the years, there is one that stands apart from the rest. You know, I did photograph Kermit and Jim James together. I won't say any more, but I got a great photo of Jim James and Kermit. It was like Jim and I walked away and we were like, oh my Lord, that was just, just too much. It's just, there's no words. <laughs> that was so much fun. That picture that Danny got of us was just like, I just couldn't believe it when he showed me. I was just like, wow, how, how is it possible? Getting a selfie with Kermit the Frog. Um, may I say with a lot of security. You could not get near Kermit the Frog's doll or whatever Kermit is. It was really interesting, too, because, of course, like people want to take selfies, but the kind of rule was that their photographer had to take it so that, you know, they got the good angle there. He's represented well, and you don't see any You know, Kermit's that. old, so you got to make sure the pictures look good. We didn't stitch anything for Kermit, but we did stitch a jacket for Jim James, who was singing with Kermit. So we had, like, Kermit stitching adjacency that felt special. <laughs> we got to watch them rehearse and we cried. It was a room full of adults just sobbing openly. It was hilarious and very memorable. <laughs> All of us like sitting on the side of the stage like bawling our eyes out singing Rainbow Connection. Like I think that there's a thing about Newport that brings the music together and the friendships and the family together and lets you connect in a way with your like child self. It just feels like a very pure place. What's so amazing that keeps us stargazing? And what do we think we might see? Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection. We know that it's probably magic. And as we said before, the magic doesn't stop when the gates close at sunset. For many, for a decade now, the final and necessary stop after a long day at Fort Adams is a tiny and extremely crowded spot downtown. When someone asks, are you going to Deer Tick? Here's what that means. Once again, NPR's Bob Boylan. 
I must say that uh, Newport, I'm often with uh, friends and family who are not my pay, not wanting to run at my pace, and I'll just often settle at the, you know the, the Blues Cafe and just see what unfolds over the course of the night with Dear Tick, who curate the show and musicians from who were in town for that day or tomorrow the next day pop up on stage and do a couple of songs together and it's a it's a fun little scene here's dear ticks john mccauley you know at the festival itself i mean we get to sing with everybody with pete seeger leading uh turn 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 it was a pretty amazing moment do everything And and I got to sing with Dawes when Ben Montench was playing keys, and I'm I'm kind of a, a dork about that guy. That felt good. And we do those after parties um, every night during the festival too, and that's where we do a lot of the collaborations we do. So many people that have come through from like Brandy Carlisle and Leon Bridges, Jackson Brown, Robin Hitchcock, Billy Bragg, all artists that are just wonderful and a blast to to be on stage with yeah well of course i love the deer tick after shows christian matson aka the tallest man on earth and uh, can't remember what song now i didn't have to play guitar oh we did we did johnny and mary with robert palmer like the the original 80s version dun, 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 dun. johnny's always running around yeah we did that my background before that was the tallest man on earth i was playing in rock bands and just like no shirt and climbing the i wanted to be iggy pop and so i got to feel that in that crazy bar so i won't forget that johnny's always running around trying to find certainty he needs all the world to confirm that he ain't lonely once again, Nicole Atkins. You know, I met Cam from the Suffers. We sang together at the uh, the Deer Tick thing. You know, she's she's been a good friend ever since. Do whatever feels right all night, all night, all night. Do whatever feels right all night, all night, all night. Do whatever... It's just the most fun, best bar band thing. Like, you know, coming from the Jersey Shore, it's like cover bands every night, all night. But imagine like a really great cover band that's like also your favorite band with all of your favorite singers. And I remember picking uh, I Want to Be Your Dog from Iggy Pop the first year that I did it and just seeing Jay like right in the front like singing in my face and I was like yeah motherfucker and I think I might have like spilt some of his beer on him because I didn't have one and then he crowd surfed and I was like this is awesome. I remember coming out of the basement of the Pickens, which is <laughs> it's, it's a stanky basement, and it's but it's just dripping with vibe. And Jay Sweet walking out, and it was the first year I met Jess and Holly of Lucius, and I remember walking down the street, and Jess was barefoot walking down the streets of Newport, and they were wearing their matching outfits and their matching hair, and they had sung with Mavis Staples. They basically were there for the whole weekend. They'd been part of all these after shows. And this was Sunday night. And I remember walking from the Pickens and they're like, where are we going to now? And I was like, we're going to Deertick. And they didn't understand what that meant. And I remember going around the corner and Jess just stopped and started bawling. And I remember giving her a hug and I was just like, welcome. Hey, <laughs> you know, this is, this is the whole thing. Togetherness, a hug, community, the whole thing. It's not easy to describe magic, but today we've gotten a taste of what that means at Newport. The essence of collaboration and communal spirit that these members of the Folk family have shared with us that in turn create incredible and unforgettable musical moments and connections on stage, off stage, and year round. Moments that continue to live on in the hearts and minds of those who created and experienced them, and we hope, now that you've heard these stories, in yours too. It's a reminder to be open, to expect the unexpected, because that is where the magic lives. On episode four, we'll dig into Newport's mission of embodying and creating cultural change by continuing to build on and hold fast to its founding ideals of inclusion, diversity, and social responsibility. And we'll hear from the Folk family about how Newport creates a positive and accepting space within and outside of the walls of Fort Adams. And for now, we'll leave the last word to Jess and Holly of Lucius. You know, every time we go on tour, we're always wanting to 
to collaborate with the opener or if we're the opener, you know, collaborating with the headliner or, or whatever it is, just getting everybody involved with each other. And I think that definitely is a product of Newport. Mm. Our folk fam. Yeah. I mean, it is the only festival in the world that really brings us all together in, in that particular way. It's always an emotional experience. On the next episode of Festival Circuit, Newport Folk. I mean, I think it's a magnet for a lot of the artists who I love that the politics of acceptance is just in their DNA. It's a community of like-minded people who care about each other and are creative. It is a joy to, to be a part of that. We'll focus on Newport Folk's role in creating a better and more just world within and outside of the festival. From the past. When we first went to Newport, they didn't want some of our African-American musicians. All we can do is dig in and fight and make people realize that maybe they're wrong to think this way. To the future. It was truly incredible and just marked an amazing moment for a group of four black women to be part of that legendary festival with the message that we were bringing, confronting the origins of white supremacy, be able to use music to disarm people to really try to start that process of of healing all around for all of us join us for episode four of festival circuit newport folk Festival Circuit Newport Folk is presented by Osiris Media, proud supporter of the Newport Festivals Foundation. I'm Carmel Holt. The series is co-written, co-produced, and edited by me and Julian Booker, who is also our audio engineer. Production assistance from Zach Brogan. Our executive producers are RJB and Christina Collins. Show logo and art by Mark Dowd. The series theme music is Ruminations Part 3, Afternoon Haze by Stephen Warwick. Thanks to Billy Glasner of of the Newport Festivals Foundation for providing archival audio. Many thanks to our folk family guests, Jess Wolf, Holly Lasick, Martin Anderson, Danny Clinch, Nicole Atkins, Bob Boylan, Jim James, Amethyst Kia, Allison Russell, Yola, Amy Ray, Judy Collins, MC Taylor, Phil and Brad Cook, Jay Sweet, Jody Whelan, Margot Price, Nina Westervelt, Kathy Sever, John McCauley, Christian Matson, and George Ween. And with gratitude to Executive Director Jay Sweet for his guidance and support. Most of all, thanks to you for listening. I'm your host, Carmel Holt. See you next time on Festival Circuit. Osiris.